Today, I'm going to be discussing police representation in the media. I decided to focus on this topic after stumbling across a survey conducted by the Pew Research Center, which reported that 81% of officers surveyed believe that they are mistreated by the media, with 42% strongly agreeing and 39% agreeing. Something a little more alarming is the fact that 31% of officers surveyed strongly agree that their belief, the media treats them unfairly, makes them angry. Now, media is a pretty broad, even vague term. It doesn't seem like the police officers were asked about a certain type of media or pointed in a certain direction, making it unclear whether there is a specific aspect of the media that they feel treats them the worst, at least when compared to others. In order to answer the question, does the media treat the police unfairly, we're going to be focusing on analyzing police betrayal in two specific forms of media, music and TV. Do these two mediums actually mistreat and misrepresent the police? Does one medium give off a more favorable image of the force compared to the other? And if so, why? The short answer to that previous question is yes. TV paints an idealistic portrait of the police, something many often refer to as quote-unquote copaganda, while most music that makes any sort of reference to police does so in order to shed light on the brutality and mistreatment minority communities face at the hands of officers who are supposedly meant to protect them. Color of Change released a report titled Normalizing Injustice, which dives into the harmful way police are portrayed in television. In it, there is an abundance of evidence which shows that the crime genre influences the public to grant even more authority to police than they already have to, as they describe it, cage the beast of crime. Probably the most impactful chart in the report is titled the Good Guy Endorser Ratio. It depicts the ratio of bad actions committed by good guys versus bad actions committed by bad guys, and found that the most popular TV shows depict good guys, aka cops, doing bad things more so than it depicted bad guys doing bad things. What this does is teach audiences to expect police officers to do bad things, and then empathize with them when there is an attempt to hold them accountable. It also conveys the idea that police officers always do what's right because their character pattern in the show proves to us that they are good people. An example of this is Brooklyn Nine-Nine in the scene where the main character, Jake Peralta, keeps a black man in police custody for 24 hours as he races to find evidence that implicates him in the crime being investigated. Upon first watch, it's unlikely that any committed fan would describe this as what it is, a targeted racial attack. Why? Well, because the show's writers make a point to establish Peralta as a feminist, and even give him a Latina girlfriend, later turned wife, so as to erase any kind of inkling of a main character with racist tendencies. What's worst about the show is that this is one of the only episodes that accurately depicts the ways in which police terrorize minorities and people of color, and that prior example was merely an accident by the show writers. It wasn't supposed to be a big aha moment where the audience realizes that all cops are bad, even the good ones. The only other time the show bothers to directly address the issue of race is when Terry Jeffords, also a main character on the show, gets stopped and questioned by the police in his own neighborhood while searching for his daughter's missing toy. The first incident, Peralta keeping a black man in custody without any evidence, and the second incident, in which Terry is stopped and questioned, are two accurate portrayals of police mistreatment of minorities that happen every single day. If it's so common though, why is it that only two episodes out of over a hundred focus on the issue? What the Colors of Change report and the show Brooklyn Nine-Nine as a whole show us is that the medium of television does not portray police unfairly, not even in the slightest. In fact, it does the exact opposite. The show plays down the racism that exists within the police force's foundations and then, in order to save face and retain the minority fan base, throw in a token episode or two in which the issue ends up being solved. The police officers go to jail and the black victim is alive to tell their story at the end of the day. 
something we unfortunately know is not often the case. Now, as we transition to music, it's important to note that rap and hip-hop, hip-hop being one of rap's most popular subgenres, focuses heavily, although not entirely, on police brutality and the Black American experience. In the same way the crime genre on TV focuses on painting an idealized version of the police force. According to Britannica, rap originated in African American communities in New York City in the 70s and became known nationally with the Sugar Hill Gang's rapper's delight. An article from the Hip Hop Golden Age clarifies that even before the rap genre became a place for Black Americans to voice their fear and anger towards the police, artists of other genres had already begun the process. One of the most notorious artists they reference is Marvin Gaye and his song Inner City Blues Make Me Wanna Holler. The lyric that jumps out amongst others is, yeah, it makes me want to holler and throw up both my hands. Crime is increasing, trigger happy policing. Lyrics like these serve as a precursor to rap and what it would look like some 50 years later. I think that, in order to truly understand why modern rap focuses so much on police brutality in America, we must view the music as a way for people to share their message to the world. The first Walkman, and in turn the first time people were able to listen to music on the go and on a more personal level, came about in the late 1900s, about a decade or so after what historians consider the end of the civil rights era. We know that, despite the band-aids the U.S. government tried to put on issues of police brutality directed towards minorities, things continuously got worse rather than better, hence mass incarceration and an ever-growing list of names of black people murdered in cold blood by officers in uniform. Music, as, we, as it became more accessible, became a way for black artists to become activists in the medium that they were fluent in. One of the most famous hip-hop songs that is still well-known today is N.W.A.'s 1998 song, Fuck the Police. The title speaks for itself, and the lyrics go even deeper, detailing how young black boys quote-unquote got it bad because of the color of their skin. Moving lyrics that come straight from the song are, not the other color, so the police think they have the authority to kill a minority. In a more recent example, famous R&B artist Her released a song titled I Can't Breathe shortly following the murder of George Floyd. The entire song focuses on the racial injustices the police force gets away with every single day in America, summed up clearly in the lines, equality is walking without intuition, saying the protector and the killer is wearing the same uniform. The commonality here is, again, black performers using their platform to shed light on the systematic racism that exists within the police force and how it impacts the lives of black Americans every single day. The music medium and the television medium are two opposite ends of the spectrum. While TV depicts cops as the good guys all day every day, whom also have the unwavering ability to weed out what I refer to as the bad apples and ultimately solve any racial issue, music, the rap genre specifically, brings us back down to earth. It paints a realistic picture. It reminds us that the cops we see in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Law and Order, despite their shining personalities, are still cops who contribute to a system of injustice and inequality. The question that now remains is, why is there such a difference in police portrayal across these two mediums? The first thing that's important to know is that the television industry is much more centralized than the music industry. Comcast and Disney, along with their subsidiaries, make up the vast majority of the content we see at any given moment. That being said, both also spend copious amounts of time and money lobbying to ensure that any political decision being made with the potential of impacting them negatively ends up swinging in their favor. At the end of the day, a good relationship with the United States government is central to the success of the television conglomerate. Because of this, it makes sense as to why TV shows featuring cops frequently avoid the portrayal of the truth. The producers cannot risk upsetting the wrong people. Rather than accurately depict the racism that exists in police institutions, they create a bubble in which racism is hardly an issue, and when it is, it is dealt with swiftly. 
In doing so, they appeal to a largely white audience, which then leaves them looking for ways to appeal to minority and people of color. This is where the issue of tokenism comes in. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, in all of its propaganda glory, features two Latina women and two black men, one of which is gay. That aspect of the show feels so revolutionary that it's almost easy for those who finally feel represented in TV to overlook the aspects of the show that deserve to be called into question. And the TV producers know it. It's a foolproof scheme that keeps them in good standing with the government while presenting this facade of progress in terms of minority representation so as not to lose their minority and left-leaning fan bases. The music industry, on the other hand, allows for a lot more wiggle room. To be clear, it is still extremely centralized, but it's possible for popular artists to exist outside of what's known as the big three record labels. They can self-manage and are able to release their own work on platforms like YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Music without the help of anyone in a position of power. Television, on the other hand, makes it basically impossible to get any sort of airtime without being involved in some capacity with the major government-pleasing conglomerates that control what we see every day. The main difference between the television and music industry is that television producers create content to appeal to a massive audience so as to ensure a fairly significant group of supporters is created. Musicians, however, create content they love and believe in. They have the freedom to say what they choose and hope that somewhere along the way, someone will hear their work, believe in their message, and support them. The music industry is certainly far from perfect, but it does allow for the artistic freedom that enables black musicians to shed light on the issues that police create within their communities. The record labels known as the Big Three also don't have as much of a reason to lobby or have a particularly great relationship with the government because there aren't that many decisions being made in Congress that would impact them as compared to television. Therefore, their main priority becomes money, and then the best way for them to do that or to make money is to remain versatile and sign all types of artists who appeal to all types of fan bases, thus collecting money from every corner of the world. The artists can create whatever they want so long as their record label sees a significant return from them, which is a huge reason as to why those in the music industry are much more upfront about police brutality and police mistreatment of people of color. Upon examining why artists in the music industry are so free to share their messages exposing police brutality and harassment of minorities, while the TV industry simply isn't, we're able to see how a racist system contributes to and fuels racist policing. Major production companies would never release a show that claims to accurately portray the police than feature characters who profile people of color while on duty. They would never create a show where the police commissioner is a white man who ignores complaints of racist behavior simply because he's friends with the cop being reported and believes they're a good person. Production companies prioritize the relationship with the government over creating and spreading a message that could raise awareness for issues with policing because they don't want to lose their power. And to be fair, it's kind of hard to blame them. After all, the media content is a reflection of the society that we live in. As long as the government continues to fight to preserve a racist system, fail to acknowledge its harmful policies, and fail to implement new and impactful ones, the portrayal of police on TV will never be accurate. The freedom to share diverse messages within the music industry is one to admire, and we can only hope that one day the government, production companies, and American citizens will wake up and realize that. Reverting back to the initial report I referenced, in which 81% of police surveyed said they felt the media treated them unfairly, I would challenge that, at least within the mediums we examine today, if the media isn't putting them in an idyllic light, then it's simply telling the truth about what the police force is, a system built on racism used to preserve white power and prevent people of color from acquiring power. At the end of the day, what we must strive for is truth in the media, something that often feels extremely hard to come by. The path to achieving this is extremely uncertain, but if today's topic of conversation has been any indication as to what needs to be done and where we can start, 
I'd say working towards equality in the United States is the first step.